Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their website, abotanicalcompany.com. You can also give them a call at 405-458-9699. Check out their line of natural medicine products and educate yourself on what their products are, the benefits of those products, and how that can potentially help you live a better life. So again, abotanicalcompany.com. Phone number 405-458-9699 and they're great people and they do tremendous things within the community and I, I just I love being a part of that and I love that they're sponsoring the podcast so anyway shout out to Artisan Botanicals uh, all right big episode today we've got a lot of football to talk about uh Aaron Davis is going to join me we're going to talk a lot of NFL a lot of college football uh, a lot of Kyler Murray I, I'm, I'm really excited to see Kyler back in action this week He's playing against the Dolphins. It's Tua's second start uh, of his NFL career, but I, I'm just glad to uh, to watch Kyler Murray back in action this week. And uh, again, I think the Arizona Cardinals right now, with Kyler Murray at the helm, are must-watch television. So uh, again, big games for the Sooners and Cowboys. I say big game for the Sooners only in the fact that it's the last time they're going to play before Bedlam as they're off next week. Oklahoma State has to bounce back, and uh, you know we talked a lot about that yesterday. But yeah, Let's, uh, let's do this thing. If you want to contact me, you can do so via Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels. Instagram is Colby.Daniels. Don't be afraid to reach out. Um, you know, get, Give me your thoughts on anything that we talk about in the podcast. Ask questions, uh, whatever that might be. So I look forward to hearing from you guys. Uh, and also a quick reminder, tomorrow, Oklahoma plays at 2.30 against Kansas. Mike Steely and I will have pregame coverage at 12.30 tomorrow afternoon. So tune into that. We'll, we'll talk Oklahoma, Kansas, but we'll probably talk a lot of other college football as well. Um, some playoff type stuff and, and the rest of the Big 12 as I don't think anybody necessarily wants to hear an hour of Oklahoma versus Kansas discussion. Again, we will discuss it, but uh, you know, I'm just not going to talk about what Kansas, what threats Kansas might present to the Oklahoma Sooners. I think that's absolutely absurd. So anyway, join us 1230 tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have a lot of college football talk. All right, here is our guest on the Colby Daniels podcast. My guest is Aaron Davis today. Aaron, what's happening, my man? Not much. Enjoying this uh, nice weather, uh, especially after last week in the freeze. I'm, I'm humbled. I've been humbled. You know, I was like, you know, it's it's like October. It's like 85 degrees outside. Let's get some cool weather in here. Let's get some fall. And then Mother Nature was like, ha bitch. How about some worst winter you've seen in 10 years and uh so yeah i'm i'm feeling good i'm enjoying this nice weather and uh yeah can't complain I mother can't nature complain. gave you a roundhouse kick to the chin <laughs> yeah she uh she took she knocked me out cold pun intended and uh <laughs> i i have complained for about a year and a half of living in this house i was like man i really wish we had a tree wish we had a tree in our yard yeah. it's so nice to have a tree have some shade so glad I do not have a tree in my yard because every house in my neighborhood has been cutting up limbs and like piling them up on their by the street. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't do any any yeah. labor with trees. Thank God. Yeah. Well, that was one of the big reasons why we bought the place we're in now is because like when we looked at it, there, there are trees everywhere and it's just beautiful, obviously, when you don't have any tree issues. Uh, but the the job of cleaning up this mess has been pretty overwhelming at times and I'm still I'm still not even done like cutting things up I'm still using the chainsaw every day and just cutting things up enough to the point that I can even start to pile it up so 
It's been it's been a pretty big job. I I was joking with Mike Steely last week that I think I'm going to get in the selling wood business. So look out, Doctor Arkaki, you have some competition. <laughs> I'm now selling wood as well. Nice. <laughs> I mean, you can't might as well. You can't go wrong. Got to do something with it, right? Something, yeah. I mean, I could be like Did my it? neighbors and just set fires all over the place. One guy had flames. Like I I was outside. And I could see flames over the top of his house. He was burning in the backyard, and I could see the flames from the fire over the roof. I mean, yeah, you could get into that. Maybe wood carving. You got a chainsaw. Oh, there we go. You got some wood. Start carving some wood art. I have a, I have a machete. It, perfect. There you go for the small details. <laughs> I mean, you know, a little a little knife isn't going to do it with these tree trunks that I'm currently messing with so a machete is probably about the right size yeah I think, I think you're working on something I think you got some good business plans there there's look there's something there I just you know I'm I've got so many ideas maybe that's the problem maybe I have so many ideas that it's preventing me from just you know going with one and making it happen that can be a problem right oh yeah 100 percent. that's uh you know you've got too many uh I don't know I was trying to think of some analogy but I, can't, I, I was just gonna make one up but yeah you know you got too many uh you got too many pies in the oven i guess yeah there you no, go yeah there, there yeah go. yeah they're all gonna get burned instead of having one that you're focusing on that comes out perfectly yeah uh dude okay so you do a fantasy football podcast you're the fantasy football guy i am so frustrated with fantasy football and i'll <laughs> mostly i told you this a couple weeks ago I've never had a good tight end in the history of my fantasy football career, ever. I've never had a good tight end. The only time I've ever taken a tight end high in a draft is like I take Rob Gronkowski and then he gets hurt in week one and out for the season or something like that. Or like this year, in one of my leagues, I took George Kittle. And, and obviously, that's, that's kind of been... A, that was a round three pick, and that's been a disaster. In my, in my main league, my friend's money league... I currently have three tight ends on the roster. It's Zach Ertz, which I drafted, I think, in the fifth or sixth. I thought that was decent value. I didn't want to go too high for a tight end, but because I'm almost like have this weird phobia about tight ends always giving me zero points, I, I took one higher than I traditionally do. So I went Zach Ertz, and he's been a big disappointment. And then I I, I also have Gasicki from Miami and Tunyon. Is it Tunyon or Tanyan? I've heard it pronounced both ways. Uh, it looks like it's spelled Tanyan to me, yeah. so I say Tanyan. Okay. Tanyan from Green Bay is my other guy. And so I played him last night. He gave me 0. .5 points. But literally, I, I just get nothing from my tight end position. Yeah. Uh, the, this, the Tanyan thing, he's scary and he's frustrating because he's like the first tight end that Aaron Rodgers has ever done anything with, it feels like. But... Aaron Rodgers also gets into these things, these um, these moods where he's only going to throw to Devontae Adams. And when I say moods, I mean if Devontae Adams is playing, he's only throwing to Devontae Adams. So, yeah, I, I get why you would have Tanya because he like he's had a couple of really good games and like you know you kind of yeah. got to ride that wave and take that risk. But I traditionally try to stay away from Green Bay tight ends just because if you air Rodgers is such a such a c word when it comes to his pass catchers that yeah. he'll just completely shut them out if they drop a couple of passes or you know don't run the route properly Ertz, uh 
I don't know who would have saw that coming. I mean, you would think that eventually, you know, he's going to trend down a little bit just because he gets older. But my, I mean, God, he's terrible. He just disappeared, and then yeah. he got hurt on top of it. Yeah, right. Yeah, but even when he was playing, I mean, he was one, two catches a game. He was absolutely terrible. And then uh, who was your McGasicki? Yeah, I like Gasicki. I, I like uh, him too, but like all of a sudden, for like two Tua, or three weeks Tua, in a row, yeah. he's done nothing. Tua going in helps absolutely zero with Gasicki right. at, at this point, especially based off you know Tua's one start where he had 80 yards passing. Uh, you know, you would assume that they're going to open up a little bit more moving forward, but. I mean, out of those three, Gesicki's good. It would have helped you a lot had Ertz been traded. I don't know how long he's out. Um, I don't remember him having a season-ending injury or anything like I that. I think they but... said it was like three to four weeks, if I remember okay. correctly. So, Yeah, if he could have gotten traded, that would probably would have helped his value a lot. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. Philadelphia's trending up a little bit. Um, their their offense shows flashes of being good, but it obviously doesn't help that you know Travis Fulgham looks like a legit receiver. That's not, not going to help Zach Ertz when he comes back for fantasy owners. But yeah, tight ends are rough. Um, I I typically tend to wait for tight ends and drafts uh, just because I mean, like you said, like you could get a George Kittle who's going to be amazing and give you so much uh, so much value and put up gaudy numbers, but. Uh, as soon as he gets hurt, I mean, it's just kind of yeah, it's, it's kind of a toss up with tight ends. Tight ends, yeah, tight, it's just hard to keep tight ends healthy, right? Um, because you know they have to play a little bit more physical at that position. But yeah, so I and my I only have one redraft league, and I took I had Noah Fant and Jonu Smith, and it was just kind of okay gamble plays, yeah, just because I know there's other tight ends out there that I could pick. Like Dalton Schultz is he's playable. There's, there's always going to be a playable tight end out there waivers. Was playable. Yeah. Well, yeah, now that you've got uh, – okay, who's starting for them? Is it uh, Bennett uh Cooper Rush, or Kerry <laughs> Kilber? What was the first one again? Uh, ben, it's a Bennett <laughs> Hey, it's a me, a Bennett I got to throw the football to you. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going fo- to – I'm. I'm going to pull that clip, and every time okay. I refer to Ben DiNucci, I'll give you credit too, but I'm going to okay. use – that pronunciation because that's fantastic and it, it just amuses me um no they they said earlier this week that they are deciding between garrett gilbert and cooper rush okay so tanucci's been so tanucci's not getting the start this week we are gonna have who, whoever they decide it's going to be dallas's fourth different starting quarterback this season and i heard i heard unless i missed and and it's very possible that i missed something because i've been so busy cleaning up all this bullshit in the yard um, unless I missed the announcement, Mike McCarthy, I think a couple days ago, said that he hopes by Saturday they'll they'll have made a decision. And I'm like, well, yeah, Mike, that would probably be the the smart move, considering you know you have a game. I I just feel bad for Andy Dalton. He gets his head absolutely knocked off, and now he's out with COVID. Like, just that dude can't catch a break I, in Dallas. Well, he, he, won't, he won't remember it, so. That's fair. I'm not 100% sure that he didn't, like, go to a hospital and just have somebody cough in his mouth so he could test positive for COVID yeah. just so he wouldn't have to play uh, for the Cowboys right now. I, I have some Cowboy friends that were, were really upset that Dallas didn't beat the Eagles the other night, and then I have some other Dallas friends that wanted them to be – I don't know if aggressive is the right word – in the in the trade area but wanted them to go find like a quarterback 
or like it, like maybe go trade for a Jameis Winston or somebody yeah. like that. And I'm like, what's the point? I don't understand what you want out of this season. Number one, it doesn't matter if Troy Aikman comes back. This team isn't winning anything in the postseason, and I don't even know what the point is in getting there. Number two, if that's the case, don't you want to lose the division? Don't you want to have a better draft? This team needs so much. They need so many pieces. Drafting in the middle of the first round, in the middle of the second round, like, ugh. Give me a top five pick. Give me a top five second round pick. Well, hang on. You have Dallas friends that thought that they were going to beat the Eagles or wanted them to beat the Eagles? I think probably wanted them to beat the Eagles. Okay. Okay, I was about to say. That's a... I mean, look, they had a chance to win that game. Those are two terrible teams, but Philly is better. Well, yeah, I mean, Ben DiNucci, though. I mean, come on. Who? Uh, It's a Ben DiNucci. (laughs) It's a me, a Ben DiNucci. Um, I want a pepperoni pizza. I'm surprised a lot of teams weren't more aggressive at the trade deadline. There was nothing. Nothing happened. I'm pissed that the Texans didn't do anything. The Texans have no draft picks. Oh, you wanted them to move pieces. Yes. There's no reason they have trade Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks. They're the same player to me. They're both around the same age. They're both speedy guys that are, you know, prone to injuries every year. One of why do you need two of those guys? Trade one of them, get some value. And I guarantee you what it is, because it broke the trades broke down with the Packers for Will Fuller. I guarantee you that the Houston was asking for a first round pick and Green Bay was like, What? You just traded DeAndre Hopkins a few months ago for a second round pick. Yeah, I'll, g- I'll give you a, you a six. Pick. Right. We we understand like you screwed your whole thing up. Yeah. And I know Belichick's not there, but or not Belichick that uh, O'Brien's not in Houston anymore. But the precedent is set for that front office. Like yeah. they're not going to give you va- value for a guy when you've already set the uh, market for yourself. The Chargers just traded Desmond King for a sixth round pick a week ago. The How the hell would you give anything more than that for Will Fuller? Right. I mean, yeah, again, he's not a bad player, but he, I mean, he's fine. Right. Just, and it may not have been a first round pick. They might've been asking for a second or something like that, but I wouldn't give a second for Will Fuller. They are absolutely. I mean, they set their, I mean, they set the market for their trades with Houston when they gave up an all pro receiver, a top five receiver for beat up David Johnson in a second round pick. Like nobody's going to do business with you. It's one of the worst trades. I, I, I honestly believe it's one of the worst trades in NFL history. Yeah, Bill O'Brien should have been fired that day. Yeah, It's crazy uh, to me that they waited till Bill O'Brien completely burnt everything to the ground before they sent him packing. If you ever ever get curious, so are you familiar with Jack Easterby? No. Okay, so Jack Easterby is running football operations in Houston right now. Uh, He was kind of like, it was Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby. Like, they were were the duo. They were like the team that was handling the football operations for the Texans. Working together... Jack Easterby a few years ago was like the spiritual consultant for the Chiefs or something like that, and I, I've like, I've heard stories from people in Houston that are around the Texans and like their big thing is like trying to come up with all these like motivational phrases to like print on T-shirts and like try to be like the the Ruha team with the you know the cat posters where they've got these motivational uh, sayings on them. Like like a cat hanging from a wire says, hang in yeah. there, buddy. You can do anything or something like that. That's fantastic. So this guy has like conned his way from being like a spiritual like 
advisor to a football, a president of football operations with the Texans. And it's, it's the wildest thing. Like he has just conned his way up into running the Texans into the ground. Oh yeah. I can, I can just imagine like he puts some poster above Deshaun Watson's locker that has a cat and it says like be perfect or something. It, yes. That's exactly what they are. <laughs> it's a hundred percent. Like they're just this corny ass team that, he gets fixated on these weird things, and now J.J. Watt probably wants out because he said he's not sticking around for a rebuild. Deshaun Watson said he will hang out, but, you know, he's getting paid a lot of money to hang out, so yeah. it's not as big of a deal for him. He's still young, but, yeah, I mean, they, they've they got good receivers. They could have traded some of them. They've got... Well, they have three guys that kind of are the same guy, right? Cooks, yes. Fuller, and, and Stills. Cobb. Like, I think Cobb, too. Yeah. I mean, Cobb's a little bit older, but yeah, they're all the same. They're all they're the same, kind of the dudes. same guy. Yeah, they yeah. kind of have the same skill set. Trade them. So stupid. I'm just Ugh. so frustrated because yeah. they were so close. Like I really thought, like yeah, like two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. yeah. When they lost to uh, the Colt, the Colts in the playoffs, right? They went on that big run. They won like ten games in a row to end the season. I was like, this team looks legit. Like they've got Tyron Matthew and they've got some dudes on defense yeah. that are making plays. They're not great. They're not like they're not like they were in 2015 when you know they were going to the playoffs with Brock Osweiler because the defense was so amazing. But the offense is there. You've got Hopkins. You've got Watson. Like the pieces are there. Yeah. You just need one or two more guys on the offensive line, and you could contend for a Super Bowl. And immediately, Bill O'Brien was like, no. Nah. Like that. Well, even even the defense at that point, it was like it was Watt, and they still had D- DJ Reader then, and Clowney. Clowney. Yeah, Matthew. Yeah, Matthew. Like, Kareem Jackson. Kareem Jackson. Yes, uh, I I think they had traded AJ Bouye by that point to Jacksonville, but yeah, Kareem Jackson. Like they've still had dudes on defense yeah. that could make plays, and their offense was finally clicking with Watson, and just for whatever reason, they decided to let every defensive player walk. I like Deshaun Watson as a player. He's one of my favorite players in the league. And to your point, like two years ago, I thought he's about to have this decade-long run where Houston is going to be in the mix in the AFC behind Deshaun Watson every year. And then they basically burn everything around him to the ground, and he's like the last man standing. And now I just just feel sorry for him. I I don't know that we're ever going to see him reach his full potential because the team has just completely been put through the shredder. I I mean... It just proves you can't be a head coach and a GM at the same time. There are exceptions like Bill Belichick and Andy Reid, but outside of that, like, it just doesn't work. By the way, did you see Bill Belichick say that this season was a joke? Yeah. yeah. Here's the uh, joke, Bill. You have the same number of wins as the Dallas Cowboys. That's the joke. He's having a hard time. I feel bad for him because... No. I, well, I feel bad because Cam gave put them gave them so much hope the first two weeks, and I don't know what the hell happened to Cam. Cam's just Cam went back to being Cam. He's exactly what he was the last two seasons he's played. Yeah, he's 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 an average quarterback with a couple of flashes here and there. But he, I, I did like the Belichick said that they sold their soul to win those three Super Bowls, and I was I was like, yeah, well, I mean, I'd probably do it too. It does suck, though, that Brady is killing Brady, in Tampa. It, yeah, Tampa Bay looks like a legit Super Bowl contender in the NFC. Meanwhile, the Patriots have the same number of wins as the Dallas Cowboys. Tom Brady has 20 touchdown passes this season. I don't even know if New England has 20 touchdowns on the season. I don't remember what podcast it was I was listening to right before the season started. 
It might have been part of my take. But I, if they didn't say it, I don't want to give them credit. But I, I can't remember. Anyway, somebody said, here's what's going to happen. The Patriots are going to look great in week number one. And Cam Newton is going to, to be fantastic. And then teams are going to adjust and they're going to look terrible. Tom Brady is going to look terrible in week one. And then they're going to figure it out and be great the rest of the season. But there's going to be a massive overreaction in week one. Saying that Brady and the, and the Pats are great. Or, or Belichick and the Pats are great. Brady and the Bucks are terrible. And everybody is going to be on freezing cold takes the rest of the season. And that's exactly what happened. Like, it, it's so comical to me that I'm watching week one and I'm like, sure as shit, the Buccaneers look terrible. The Patriots, while they weren't good, I mean, obviously overachieved. And since that point, it's been the complete opposite. So Tom Brady has 20 touchdown passes on the season, like I said. Uh, the New England Patriots as a team have a total of 13 touchdowns on offense. Just t- 13 touchdowns total. Total. Cam Newton has two touchdown passes. Yeah. Jared Sidham has one, and then they've got uh, 10 rushing touchdowns. I, I, I didn't get all the people high on Cam Newton before the season. He's just he's not a good enough passer, and and the fact that he can't be a dominant runner anymore, it just what are you what are you really getting? Yeah, I just I, I was on the same boat. Like yeah. he wasn't he was really good like the first six games of 2018, and then the last season and a half he's been what he's been the last three weeks of this season. Yeah, well but, here's the but, thing you you take the hits that he's taken long enough your body breaks down or mentally you you start to be aware of how those hits impact you and you're not the same player. And and again, when you have a dual-threat quarterback that is a better runner than he is a passer, once that running ability goes, your passing has to get better and, and yeah. his never did. And so it just, you know, like, if you're going against Cam Newton, you're more than happy to let him try to beat you throwing the football. Right. And I love, too, that he comes to New England and uh, Josh McDaniels is like, I know you've taken a lot of hits, Cam, but... Uh, be ready because uh, we're going to run you about 20 times a game. So yeah. hope you can take some more hits. But it makes sense. I mean, you got to run him until the wheels fall off and then pass right. the baton. It is bizarre seeing a New England suck so much, but I, I also it. enjoy it. I love it. Yeah. Every, every week I'm like, Dallas lost, but you know what? So did the Patriots. The Patriots belong in the NFC East. Yeah, who are you going to swap? I mean, uh, they would probably Just be five. like 5-2 and two if they were in the NFC East, though, to be fair. Well, yeah, because Belichick could outcoach. Right, everybody. In- yeah, I think Doug Peterson is probably the only one that could give him a run for his money. Yeah. But he could definitely outcoach the other three. Yeah. I'm pretty excited for uh, Kyler Tua this weekend. Yeah, I, I really want to see like, – and I, I know that they didn't need to – because Miami's defense made a bunch of big plays last right. week. The Rams. I really want to see them open up the offense for Tua. You know, he's uh, he showed some flashes. Like there were a couple of plays where he rolled out to the left and like you know made some really quick reads and made some nice little passes. But it was very watered down. And uh, I saw I saw a graphic the other day that Kyler right now through, I think Arizona's played six games so far this season. Uh, he's got better numbers across the board than Lamar had last year. Yeah. He's probably, I think he's thrown a couple more interceptions, but you know, as far as like the rushing yards, the passing yards, the touchdowns, like he's all above Lamar's pace last year through six games. And 
I, I don't know. I know DeAndre Hopkins every week is saying that Kyler's the MVP, but he's just not he's not getting that national love yet, at least not that I've seen uh, as far as being, you know, in that MVP race. I think it's because Russell Wilson has been just on another world right. every week that and the narrative, you know, Russell's never won an MVP. It's yeah. his turn. Russell's probably going to lead the way unless he gets hurt. But Kyler Arizona, beating Russell, though, on that Monday that night football. Or was yeah. it Sunday night? Sunday or Monday night? Sunday. I can't remember. But Sunday yeah. night, yeah. 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 And Russ threw three picks that night. Uh, and Kyler ended up, yeah, Kyler beat Russell. But um, yeah, I'm excited. You know, that uh, that performance that Kyler had in the, the Orange Bowl against Tua. It, I, we, I feel like we kind of forget about it because Alabama just got ahead so early and just kind of the game was never really in question. But Kyler was really good that night, I thought. Um, you could just you could kind of see that potential that he had in that game on that national stage for a lot of people outside of us that didn't watch him every week. And, yeah, it's going to be fun. Hopefully, too, is not uh, held back by the coaching staff and we can really see them duel like we did in the Orange Bowl a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah, Kyler was good. Part of that was because after Alabama got, I mean, just gave them the hammer out of the gate and got up, but was it was like three touchdowns, like almost immediately. After um, Josh Jacobs and Quinn and Will, Quinn and uh, yeah, Quinn and Williams, yeah, they uh, they they dialed down considerably the aggressiveness defensively, and that allowed Oklahoma to kind of get going offensively. But I mean, you saw it out of the gate. That was Alabama just was dominant from yeah. the get go, and then once they got that lead, there was no point in continuing to to play that brand of football and, you know, just kind of dial it down a little bit, play it safe and, and keep Oklahoma at arm's length. Cause they weren't going to stop scoring. Like Oklahoma wasn't going to get a bunch of stops in that game. So, no. uh, but yeah, I, I said this a couple weeks ago, give, give me your take here. I'm not saying that he's the best because I, I don't know why for some reason, when I make this statement, people think I'm saying that he's the best. I'm saying from an entertainment standpoint, entertaining other than Patrick Mahomes, who I think is is the best and most entertaining player in the NFL. Other than Patrick Mahomes, I think Kyler Murray is the next most entertaining player in the entire league. Uh, I would agree to that. I mean, just because it just his running ability. He's got a very uh, he's got a very you know skip to my Lou like and one like mixtape <laughs> yes. vibe to his running game. Uh, which I don't remember ever really seeing him do it much at OU. He seemed a little bit more conservative when he ran the ball at OU. I guess because he could just outrun everybody. And he didn't have to. Part of it was he wasn't necessarily having to run out of necessity as much. Right. Yeah. I mean, if if he ran, it's just because it was either designed or he was just like, eh, I feel like running. I'm going to pick up a first down here. Yeah, and I think, too, like uh, he probably could just outrun most dudes that he was playing in college. In the NFL, he's actually having to juke them to, uh, you know, pick up a couple extra yards. But, I mean, he's he, – yeah, he looks like a freaking NBA player out there crossing dudes over on the football field, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, I, I think his running game is probably more vital to su- his success than Lamar, honestly. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lamar is one I mean, of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. And they're running their offense is designed to run the ball and kind of take some pressure off of him. Even if he wins the MVP, that offense last year was still designed to take pressure off of him when they needed to. Right. But yeah, I mean, Kyler's Kyler's really good. And I tell all my friends this, all my buddies back in Texas, like 
you know, I, I covered OU for only for a handful of years, but I watched three Heisman finalists. Two of them won the Heisman. Kyler is, I can easily say with confidence, Kyler's the best quarterback that yeah. I've I watched at OU. Agreed. And it's not even a competition. He's He is a legitimately good quarterback in every aspect. The only thing that holds him back is his height. And he, you know, he he finds ways around it. He plays to, in spite of it, but there are times that his height can be a disadvantage, at least as far as balls getting knocked down at the, the line of scrimmage and everything. But he's legit, and he's really fun to watch. And thank God that you know Cliff Kingsbury isn't a total bum at coaching in the NFL. Like he's pretty decent so far. And they go out, and their front office brings in DeAndre Hopkins. They're putting weapons around him, and they're putting him in his in a uh, situation to succeed, which is. Not prototypical Arizona Cardinals football, yeah. but yeah, uh, I like Kyler. I'm glad he ended up in Arizona and didn't end up in some bumville like Cleveland, where even if you get good players, you're still going to lose games. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Cliff Kingsbury's been terrific, and and you know sometimes I think, especially in the NFL, there's this tendency to to want to make the players in your system do what you want them to do as opposed to maybe tailoring what you do to the skill sets of your players. And I think you have to credit Cliff Kingsbury for um, not, you know, he, he wants to do certain things, but I think you have to be aware of what your team is capable of doing and, and kind of tailor that around the capabilities of your team. And he's done that with, with this team and, and Kyler Murray. I saw a stat uh, yesterday. I think it was Kyler Murray has, like 479 maybe let me look um i've got his stats here 437 rushing yards on the season and i believe the the stat i saw yesterday was that half of those are on like breakdowns like just yeah. non quarterback rush plays which is also i think a credit to the fact that they're they're also using his ability to run the football because you know this has been one of been ugh, this has been one of my frustrations with the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. It's and and look, I know he got hurt, and and there were people after he got hurt saying you know they they shouldn't be running the football with Dak. When you have a mobile quarterback, you have to take advantage of that. It's it's like the Cam Newton thing, right? Cam Newton's not good if he's not running the football. That's that element is what made Cam Newton a good quarterback in the NFL. You remove that element. And he's just a dude because he's not a great passer. Now, I, I would say this about Kyler Murray. I do think Kyler Murray's a great passer. I think he's one of the best 5 to 10 passers in the NFL. Like, if take away the rushing ability. I think just throwing the football, he's got that kind of ability. He's elite throwing the ball. But they understand that he is so dynamic that they're taking advantage of that with designed run plays. And, and they're having a ton of success. Again, I think the... The combination of using him in the run game and him having to improvise and running at, run out of necessity on top of the fact that he can spin the ball as well as anybody in the league, like the velocity he throws the ball with is unreal. There aren't a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that throw the ball as hard as Kyler Murray. And all you, you combine all of that with the fact that Arizona's not necessarily a Super Bowl contender. Kyler Murray's not a finished product. So like even watching him do all these amazing things... Like, like with Russell Wilson, every time he has the ball, we, we kind of like are like, okay, Russell Wilson's going to score here. Or Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, right. like there's just this expectation he's going to score. With Kyler Murray, we think he's, he's going to score, but there's still this chance that like something might happen. The offensive line may give up a sack. He might throw an interception. Like he's not a finished product. So you add the element of intrigue to the whole thing. And I think just all of those ingredients together, if, again, other than Patrick Mahomes, there's nobody else 
from an individual standpoint, I'd rather watch than Kyler Murray. Yeah, Russell Wilson was a guy when Kyler was in college that I like to compare Kyler to. Mm-hmm. Um, just from a passing perspective, that you know, at OU, Kyler, beautiful deep ball, could loft it in there right in the guy's hands, makes good reads, never really took sacks. His pocket presence was really good. And I felt like in college, like we said, when Kyler ran, it was never because he was trying to run out of necessity. It was just because it was the smart play. If he if there was a passing play and he decided to scramble, he only did it because it was a smart play and it was an easy play. Kyler in the NFL gives me more Michael Vick vibes, though. Like, it feels more like he's just using his athleticism to win games. And then the passing, he, I, he's a better passer than Mike Vick ever was. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big positive there, but... I, I, he just seems more like I didn't realize I knew he was athletic, but I didn't realize coming out of college that he was the, so good at making defenders miss just because in college, like I said, he never really had to that. He never took hits. It was never really any jeopardy of taking hits. So yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to watch him. I don't want to say evolve, but just kind of adapt to the NFL game and, and make adjustments. And then, I think that we're probably moving to a point in the NFL here in about five to 10 years. And I've heard other people say this on other podcasts. So not, and it's by no means an original take. Like it's pretty obvious just watching games that if you're not mobile and you're a quarterback, good luck, good luck sticking around in this league very long because the pass rushers have become too athletic and too dominant that if you can't move, you're doomed. And your best bet is that you have a great offensive line. Like, you know, your Tom Brady does in Tampa Bay or, I don't even know. I can't even name another one right now. Nick Foles is getting beat up pretty bad in Chicago. He can't move. I mean, Mahomes has had to use mobility this year. Even. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you don't have to use it. It's not like, you know, I'm saying that you got to be Mike Vick or Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, but you just, you have to have that in your back pocket to be able to use it because Aaron Donald's and, uh, JJ Watts and Khalil Max, like it's just the pass rushes are too they're too good at this point in football that and the offensive line is just not that good. That good luck. If you can't move as a quarterback, you better pray that you know how to get the ball out quick because you're gonna get you're gonna get destroyed. If we were gonna do a draft today of quarterbacks in the NFL that you want for the next five years, how many guys are you taking before Kyler Murray? I'm definitely taking Patrick Mahomes. Um, I, th- I think I'd probably take Deshaun Watson um, just for the fact that I think his body would hold up a little bit better. Um, not that Kyler's ever dealt with injuries, though, because, like I said, he's he pretty good at he not getting get hit. hit. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would take Russell, too. And then Kyler would probably be there four or five. I'm not taking Lamar yep. before Kyler. I'm give me Kyler before you give me Lamar. Yeah, absolutely. He's a better uh, thrower by by a, I mean, they're both great running the football. And and I do give Lamar Jackson a lot of credit. He's a better passer in the NFL than I gave him credit for. I didn't think he was going to be as good as he is now at throwing the football. But I, I still don't think he's on the same level as Kyler Murray throwing the ball or Deshaun Watson for that matter. Yeah. Uh I'd probably I'd take a, a a healthy Dak before Kyler and then I'd probably take Kyler fifth. Okay. Where's Josh Allen in that mix? Because like three weeks ago, uh, he had he had been anointed like elite quarterback status. 
as a Josh Allen fantasy football owner, <laughs> I am livid that he had like 18 touchdowns through four games. And then just for the last like few games, she's like, eh, we're not going to score touchdowns anymore. We're just going to kick nine field goals in a game against the Jets. <laughs> that game drove me crazy. He had like 340 yards passing and they kicked yeah. nine field goals. Uh, Josh Allen's probably not in the – he's top 10. Top 10, yeah. Back end, that's a top 10 for me. Just uh, on potential alone, top 10, yeah. Yeah, for sure. His passing has improved year to year, and he is. He, I mean, he's he's a really good runner with the f- football, and he's physical, and he's a big dude. So I, I think there are advantages to Josh Allen long term. But, yeah, he's got to be back into the top 10. I mean, I would take guys like uh, Joe Burrow, uh, way before oh, Josh Allen. Joe Burrow's I, been so good. Actually, you know what? I take that back. Kyler will probably be six. I to give me Justin Herbert before Kyler. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think, yeah, I think that uh, Kyler. I love Kyler. Like we're we are, you know, just we've talked about Kyler Murray for the last ten minutes. But I think the passes that Justin Herbert makes, and he, I think a lot of them he's able to make it because he's he's a little bit taller. I think it helps him, uh, you know, make those reads downfield. But he is just like uh josh allen and lamar jackson like the throws that justin herbert make i never would have expected him to be able to make those throws in the nfl because he never did at oregon but he's legit i think that justin herbert is going to be one of the top five to ten quarterbacks in the nfl if he stays healthy for the next 10 years yeah, he, yeah he's been amazing high on him. Yeah. yeah i would go so i would go mahomes one obviously and and again this is if we were redrafting quarterbacks today for the next five years, uh, I would go Mahomes one. I would go Russell Wilson two because I still think he's got five more years of playing MVP-level yeah. football. My number three is probably between Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson. That like It's three and four there. I would I would really have to dedicate a lot of thought to, to kind of maybe figuring out where one guy might have the advantage over the other because they're, they're kind of different, but they're both – Obviously, really impressive throwing the football. Um, probably Deshaun a little bit more polished in the passing game, but but Kyler, I think, might have the better arm talent. Uh, and then, you know, obviously the burst that you get with Kyler in the run game. I don't know. That would be an interesting conversation. But those guys are three and four. And then I think the next group for me is probably Joe Burrow. You mentioned Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. That's probably... Dak Prescott, actually, Dak Prescott would be probably number five, but uh, yeah, I think that's I think three and four are Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray in one in one order or the other, but I, that's where I think Kyler Murray is. I, I he is look at how good that Cardinals team is on a weekly basis, and I think when you evaluate their talent from top to bottom, you know DeAndre Hopkins is amazing, and I still think he's the best receiver in the NFL, but. There's not a lot there that just really excites me compared to a lot of other teams, and simply I mean, because of Kyler Murray's ability, they're they're basically in every game. I mean, he's throwing to outside of like you said, DeAndre Hopkins. He's throwing to guys like Andy Isabella and handing the ball to Chase Edmonds. Like, I mean, they're not a team full of flashy dudes. Like Larry Fitzgerald's done at this point. He's just there to hang out with the dudes and leadership get paid. and yeah, leadership, teaching guys yeah. how to be professionals and yeah. But on the field, outside of sprinting the ball to midfield to spike, he's it, really good at that. Yeah, he's, he's, like you said, the leadership, the veteran presence. Um, yeah, I mean, the weapons, are, they, they they fit that offense perfectly in Arizona from what they've, they've added, but it's not like those dudes are difference makers yeah. necessarily. 
Um, I mean, Christian, to your, you, you talked about all those guys that Houston has. Like, Christian Kirk is essentially the same guy as, like, all the, like, Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller and Kenny Stills. Like, same skill set. There's just so many of those guys in the NFL. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Um, I had a point. I don't know what the point. I lost my Can you name anybody on their offensive line, like, off the top of your head? Arizona? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I can't. I, you know what? I shouldn't be able to name anybody off of Houston's offensive line, but they traded two first-round picks for one, and they uh, wasted a first-round pick on the other when they could have got it probably in the third round. That's the uh, – what's his name? I'm, I'm blanking. What's, what's the tackle's name that they took in the first round last year that, you're, that you hate? Because they they called him untouchable. I saw a report yesterday or maybe the day before that they said he was untouchable in trade talks. They did, yeah. They said it was uh, Tunsil, Watson, and then uh, the... What is his name? God, I'm losing my mind. You know what? This is a sign that we can't even remember the name of their first-round pick that starts every game. Yeah, what right tackle, right? Or is he playing guard? Titus Howard. Titus Titus Howard. Howard, there it is, yeah. Yeah, he's a right tackle. Yeah. And uh, Zach Fulton? He, is he Zach, still there? I'm going to be honest with you, Colby. Uh, <laughs> I have not watched a Texans game this year. I just have exclusively watched. Uh, oh, I watched the opening game because it was Thursday night yeah. against the Chiefs. But I only watched red, red zone, zone this year because I just get so frustrated watching the Texans and watching Bill O'Brien's dumbass cleft chin over there on the sidelines. Just, I, I couldn't handle it. Um, although I, I do like Romeo Cornell, but I mean, he's not gonna make a difference. Uh, Zach Fulton is there. Nick Martin at center. Uh, and okay. I forgot. At left guard, but yeah. Yeah. Titus Howard, Laramie Tunsil, Deshaun Watson and JJ Watt were the untouchables. Which I get it. Although JJ Watt, I I don't think he's there next year. I think he gets traded in the offseason. Yeah, I get I mean you gotta keep Laramie Tunsil. You can't take the L on them. And he's been good. He has been good at least. So he's Yeah. He's improved on that left side of that the left side of that line. But two first round picks, I don't know, it's kinda hard to swallow still. Even if he is an all pro. Even if Laramie Tunsil is an all pro for the next four years, still hard to swallow giving up two first round picks for him. Let me ask you this. As I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, and so I've been contemplating this for a few weeks. I've asked a lot of my Dallas Cowboy buddies uh, the same question, and I get different answers across the board. I want to ask somebody that is completely like unbiased when it comes to Dallas Cowboy football and has nothing at stake as far as the Cowboys go. If you are the Dallas Cowboys, and let's just say for the sake of argument, they end up with – I'll give you two scenarios – for the sake of the argument, I know the Jets are probably going to get the number one pick, but but for this scenario, let's say somehow the Jets find a way to win a couple games. Dallas loses out. They have the number one pick in the draft. Trevor Lawrence is available, or you can... Dak Prescott, they tell you, is 100% healthy and ready to come back to the guy that he's been the last couple years. What's your decision there with the number one pick? Do you go like elite defensive lineman, re-sign Dak? Do you go offensive lineman, re-sign Dak? Do you go Trevor Lawrence? I think so for my fan, the fan in me of just NFL, I hope they draft Trevor and let Dak walk and go sign somewhere else. I, in my Madden season, uh, the Cowboys let Dak walk and he signed with Washington. And I was like, that's awesome. 
Washington, the best team in the NFC East, by the way. Yes, the le- division-leading football team. So the fan of me is like, I want a scenario like that where he's just full vendetta. I'm going to go sign with Washington or um, the Giants or something and just come come get my revenge. But I think the I think the smart play is you trade back, you add up draft picks because they need a lot. They need depth. They need a lot of pieces. Trade back with somebody that hell maybe the Jets want to move up and to that first pick or somebody that wants to draft a quarterback stock up on picks re-sign Dak coming off the injury you should get him at a discount price yeah you think you don't think so no. I, honestly you know what I him. think they're gonna do this is just a what I, I'm on. guessing they, I think they franchise him again there you go see how it plays out and then make the decision again next year that's yeah, look, that's what I'm guessing the way college football is going these days, hell, you know what? You could theoretically, you could trade that first round pick, move back to like five or six, get Justin Fields, and you've added a couple of draft picks in there. Franchise Dak. Well, you don't want to franchise. There's no point in that at that point. You could get Justin Fields though, and still add up some draft picks and move out of that first round pick. But I think that I, I think Dak's really good. I think he's a top six or seven quarterback when he's healthy. I think you've got to franchise tag him and see how he comes back from this, this injury. At least it's a bone injury and not, you know, his ACL or a shoulder or something like that. He should be able to recover from it pretty well and get back. I I think you just got to kind of ride with Dak. Like you said, I think the move is a franchise tag him, see how it goes. And then if it doesn't go well, if you don't think that you can invest in him long-term, guess what? At this point, there's going to be good quarterbacks coming out of every draft. If trading if trading out of the pick isn't a possibility, and you have to use the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, or do you go another player and take Dak with without being guaranteed that he's going to be as great? I, I think at that point you go Trevor Lawrence. Okay. I, I I'm trying to think. Is there is there a pass rusher that's like for sure like top three guy in this draft? I, I don't think there's a Chase Young in this draft, for example, See, who I, who if, last year was like a can't miss, no brain, like just gonna be great at the next level right. guy. I don't think there's that guy, at least as of now. I I haven't seen somebody that that to me just says you can't pass on that dude if you need a pass rusher. I would also say this though, as far as Dallas rushing on the edge, that's that's not a big concern for me. Like I'm I'm not looking for a defensive end edge rush guy. I I want an interior guy. So so, okay, so there's my point though yeah. is if you're drafting first overall, I can't I can't justify taking any position other than a quarterback or a pass rusher. Yeah. So if there's no edge rushers or that are worth taking with that number overall pick in this upcoming draft, I think you have to take uh, Trevor Lawrence. I, I, I don't think you have a, a choice. Uh, right. I'm looking at a mock draft right now and. Uh, Gregory Rousseau, the uh, yeah, out of Miami. Edge, he's he's out sitting Miami. out this season. Yeah, he's uh he's at four in this mog. After that, uh, I don't see any edge guys until Quiddy Pay. Is he an edge guy? Seems a little too big to be an edge guy from Michigan. Yeah, I think he's he's versatile. Uh, he doesn't. I don't know. He doesn't just stand out to me as being elite, though. Like. 
Yeah, see, I, he's not a top ten guy to me. So I, I, to me, I think you got to go Trevor Lawrence. If you're going to draft somebody first overall, just take that quarterback. And you know what? You made the decision. Write him like, give him the keys to the car. Save the money that you were going to pay Dak and go out and sign some free agents. Make some trades. Do something. Yeah. Uh, hell, at, at this point, trade Michael Gallup. Ooh. And bring some. I mean, trade one of the receivers. Amari's probably the hardest to trade because you just locked him up to the long-term deal. But I mean, CDs definitely. I don't, I don't think you want to trade CD. Absolutely not. And is coming into his second year, you don't want to trade him. You just lo- signed Amari long-term, so it's gonna be a little bit harder to find somebody to take that contract. Trade Gallup and get some defensive pieces or get some draft picks if you take Trevor Lawrence first, but. Yeah, I, I just don't think there's yeah. any scenario that you can defend taking anybody besides Trevor Lawrence first overall if you're the Cowboys. All right, here's the second scenario. Trevor Lawrence is off the board. You have the number two pick. Trading out of the pick, not an option. Do you take Justin Fields and let Dak walk? Do you re-sign Dak, pass on Justin Fields, and again, either go offensive line or defensive line? Uh, I would take the the Sewell kid from Oregon. Okay. And franchise Dak. I mean, their offensive line needs help bad. Tyron yeah. Smith is probably going to retire. Um, I mean, Leo Collins has been out. He's hurt this year. Is he coming back? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Okay. I would um, be shocked if either tackle. Uh, I I can't remember. At this point, I, there's so many injuries in the NFL that they all start kind of. Right. getting mixed in my head. I, I'm pretty sure Lyle Collins was ruled out for the season. Um, I, 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 to right. be honest, if if you're the Cowboys, there's no incentive to play Tyron Smith the rest of the year. I don't know why you would. He's had so many injuries over the last few seasons. He could probably... I mean, he just needs to get healthy. Like, period. Just let him recover. Uh, and, and yeah, I think you probably... If, if When you do draft a lineman, you're probably drafting his replacement. I don't know that it's a day one replacement, though. It's probably a situation where you play somebody at guard for a year or two, and then when Tyron officially moves on, you kick that person out to tackle. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, the offensive line, I said this before the season, the, the Cowboys are no longer the same group they were three or four years ago. They were built on having a dominant offensive line and Zeke Elliott, and they're, that's no longer their identity. Their identity is Dak Prescott and the wide receivers, and, you know, spreading the ball out and, and playing that type of offense. And for some reason, the play calling hasn't ever reflected that it's like they can't decide what kind of offense they want to be. They're still trying to hold on to being that group that they were three years ago, and it's it's clearly not the same thing. But if you're if you're not taking one of those two quarterbacks in the first round, I, in my opinion, there are only three things that you can potentially take. You can take offensive line, really at any position. I mean, if there is an elite offensive lineman that's a top 10 worthy pick, I think you can go there. Again, I don't think edge rush is an issue for them. That's One of the big reasons they're so bad defensively is because that's all they have. They have a bunch of great rushers, but they're always behind. Like, they can't stop the run. I mean, Alden Smith. Who would I mean? Yeah, Alden Smith is good. Yeah, like, they they have... Randy Gregory's back and has been fantastic. Uh, You know, obviously, Demarcus Lawrence, maybe he's not the elite guy that he was a couple years ago, but he's, he's... Still, I mean, a, a better so option than than most teams have out there. So, uh, pass rush isn't an issue for them. It's the interior of the defensive line, and and you know they were kind of built to get leads and then make teams have to pass the ball and then start rushing the passer. But 
They've been playing from behind all year. Teams have run the football right down their throat, and they can't stop it. So, again, I think it's interior defensive linemen. I think it's shut down corner, and I think it's any offensive lineman that you can get that's elite uh, and, and just plug them wherever you need to plug them. Those are the only three picks that I think you can use in the first round. And then second round, you just start, you know, go best available player uh, in, in any of those categories. But, uh, man, it's it's brutal. I, I, I really like Dak Prescott, but ultimately, I think when you look at how much money you've already spent on Zeke Elliott, how much money you've spent on Amari Cooper, how much money you've spent on Jalen Smith, and I think those are all positions in the NFL that when you have that amount of the pie going to those positions, it's going to be really hard to win at the highest level and get elite players in some of the places that they need them if you're not getting them in the draft. It makes more sense to me to go cheap with the quarterback. And while I think Dak Prescott is a top 10 guy, if a Trevor Lawrence is, or a Justin Fields is there and you can get one of those guys for the next five years on a rookie contract versus Dak Prescott for the next five years with a team that obviously has holes, to me it makes more sense to to maybe just hit the reset button and and kind of start over. And look, there's been a precedent set over the past half decade. Hell, you probably maybe even the last decade that uh, you know these quarterbacks coming into the NFL, they don't necessarily need to sit out a year. They can play their rookie year and yeah. be impact dudes. Herbert and Burrow this year. Um, you know, Watson, when he was a rookie, was an immediate impact player. He tore his ACL in practice, obviously, but when he was playing for those you know few games, he was elite. Uh, Kyler was. He wasn't great, but he was good his rookie year. I mean, there's no reason to think that Trevor Lawrence can't come in, or Justin Fields, for that matter, can't come in and be close to what Dak is right now at this point in the NFL. And like you said, you're probably getting him at half the price, a third of the price. Yeah, a lot cheaper. It's crazy because 10 years ago in the NFL, like the college and NFL games were drastically different. And so I think the learning curve in terms of a quarterback going from college to an NFL defense, that curve was pretty drastic. And so if you told me that guys needed a year to kind of fully understand things to, to the point that they could even run the offense comfortably, like, I get that. But we're in a, we're in a period now where the, the college game and the NFL game are, are so similar in a lot of ways that that's not really a, a valid argument anymore it, for, for the most case. There, there might be some specific cases where that is, but I think across the board, guys are more prepared mentally to just hit the ground running in the NFL. I, I think you're just delaying the the maturity of a quarterback when you sit him for a year because, look, we know this. It happens in college football. It happens in the NFL. The college game is different than the high school game. The NFL game is different than the college game in terms of the athletes you're playing against, what you can get away with, what you can't get away with, and, and you kind of have to go through that and, and figure that out on your own. And once you do, then you you either you know sink or swim. I, I think when you sit a guy for a year, he still has to go through that process. And so you're talking about like year three before he's getting really comfortable. Why not let Kyler play his rookie year, work his way through some of that stuff, and then in year two, already, you're seeing that pay dividends for the Cardinals. Like, it was crazy to me that the Chargers wanted to sit Herbert for a season. Like, it was clear as day, the first game he played for them, he was way better already than Tyrod Taylor, but why would you not want to let him, right now, when you're not going to go to the playoffs anyway, make the mistakes that a rookie quarterback is going to make so that when you are healthy a year from now and you're more prepared to make a run... He's not going through that transition period. Like, 
it, it, it's mind-blowing to me how many of these guys, it, it really it's just a selfish save-your-job type of thing to delay your quarterback a year right. in the NFL nowadays. It makes absolutely zero sense. And again, there's always an exception to the rule. But I, I think when you look at the NFL as a whole, it just makes way more sense to throw that guy out in year number one, let him work through those rookie struggles, let him figure out the league, and in year two he's going to be way more prepared to have success and lead your team rather than, okay, now he knows the offense. In year two, let's let him learn the NFL. It just it makes no sense. You're, you're delaying everything. Lamar won an MVP his second year. Yeah. Yeah. Mahomes Patrick won Hall- a Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Mahomes did sit out a year behind Alex Smith his yeah. rookie year, but I think that Mahomes, it, Mahomes is so good that he probably would have played his rookie year and it would have been fine. So it's kind of hard to make a comparison for the greatest quarterback possibly ever in the NFL. But traditionally speaking, Watson was better his second year, uh, especially at protecting the ball. Like he became a smarter quarterback his second year. Kyler is significantly better his second year. Because you have to learn the speed of the game. Right. We won't talk about Baker. Baker learned the speed of the game and probably went the wrong way for him. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I mean, there's just really no benefit. I mean, and plus, how different is the offense that Trevor Lawrence is running at Clemson than what Dallas runs right now? Right. Not not that different. Yeah. It should be an easy transition for them. Uh, you would hope that they're running a different offense next year, at least with different coaches yeah. in Dallas. You would hope that McCarthy is out and Kellen Moore is out, and they've just completely just wiped the – burned the house down and just hired yeah. a new staff. But – uh, probably not going to happen. Jerry I, Jones. I, is... A lot of people want them to fire McCarthy now, and I'm I'm completely against that because I want him to continue to be so bad that they lose every game the rest of the way, and then they fire him after the season. Um, I am I am 100 percent on the hire Eric Bieniemy bandwagon. Yeah. yeah. Well, me too. So uh, <laughs> hopefully Houston gets to him first because they at least know they need a coach right now. Um, I'm willing to I'm willing to get in a fist fight with you over Eric Bieniemy. So like if that's what it takes for Dallas to if I have to just get pummeled in order for Dallas to get Eric Bieniemy, I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Uh-huh. Hell, maybe uh maybe <laughs> Jerry Jones could convince Gundy and Lincoln Riley to come up there and be uh, co Look, I would be I would be thrilled with Lincoln Riley in Dallas as well. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's uh that's best case scenario, I think. I think it's probably Eric Bieniemy and Lincoln Riley, like one A, one B. One A, one B. Yeah. Scenario. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to. I mean, Josh. Like McDaniel, I would. Pro- I'm throwing it. I'll say this: If the Dallas Cowboys hired either one of those guys, I'm gonna throw a party. Like it's. I I, I'm gonna have a party on the ba- on the patio. And, and it's you just, know, yeah. Look, I thought that Dallas was gonna make a splashy hire last year. You know, a guy that could lead them into the future and kind of like this innovative mind, and then. Beep, 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 beep. Breaking news: Dallas Cowboys hire Mike McCarthy, and I was just like, Ugh, "Why?" Yeah, I I kind of talked myself into being okay with it. Like, I didn't love it ever, but I didn't hate it. You know, it was one of those deals where I thought, "Okay, this team is built to win now. You've got to make a change. Do you want to go with an unknown that maybe has to? You know, again, there's there's a learning curve. Do you want to go with somebody that kind of has to?" find their own footing while this team is is maybe prepared to win now or do you want to go with somebody that's been through this in the NFL and you know is is a little bit uh built to potentially make that run immediately and so that that was the only part of the hire that I was okay with is you know Mike McCarthy has been around for a while he's been a part of a winning team 
he he will come in and not have to like figure out how to be a head coach in the NFL. But clearly, it's just been a complete disaster, and there's no way it can it can Look, continue. I mean, it just sucks at this point that. You know, nobody's going to get the 2010, I'm hungry, I want to win Mike McCarthy. They're getting the, uh, you know what, I'm going to skip the team meeting because I got a massage table set up in my office. Mike McCarthy, who is just completely belivalent and doesn't care about anything. I I mean, I would rather get a massage than talk about Dallas Cowboy football as well. Well, yeah, I guess that's fair. (laughs) I guess the problem, though, is when you're getting the massage before you played your first game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. God, they're terrible. And and Mike Nolan. Good Lord. Yeah. Somehow he, like, I th- a year ago, I thought Jalen Smith was one of the best, probably five linebackers in the NFL. He's terrible. Somehow, he I like, I just, I, I refuse to believe that Jalen Smith is now just a bad linebacker. Like, That's I, ridiculous. I, I yeah. can't, I, like, my brain just doesn't work that way. Like, it doesn't say, like, Jalen Smith is now just not good. Like, somehow Mike Nolan has come in and... They're putting him out of position, probably out of position. Yeah, probably, yeah not he's like, done yeah, something from a scheme standpoint that Jalen Smith just clearly doesn't understand or is is not the right guy to be in position to execute. And, and oh, it's not what even, a disaster. Like, yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. Dudes don't go from being, one second. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless guys, you. Do, guys don't uh, go from being elite linebackers in college to being really good to elite linebackers in the NFL, and then in year like four or five, we're just like I suck now. Yeah, and again, and it's not, not a physical not thing. Like, yeah, it's, he didn't have he, an injury. Yeah, he's twenty five years old. He didn't get hurt. He he doesn't look like he's slow or anything like that. It's it's a mental thing. Like he, you know, he's out of position almost always. Well, him and you know about seven and, and everybody else on the defense. defense yeah. yeah. The most embarrassing secondary, maybe in the history of the NFL. Okay, well, you know. You, I, do do you want to make the in, argument for somebody else? There's another team in Texas that's uh, trying to make that claim. I will admit that I don't watch a lot of Texans football, but I don't. I don't feel like I see highlights constantly against the Texans where dudes are just completely wide open without a, a Dallas or a Houston Texan in the in the screen even. For touchdown passes that happens in Dallas every week well I'll also admit that I don't watch a lot of Houston Texans football in 2020 okay because uh, you know I, I like to uh, I like a little pain but oh, I've got a threshold that eventually is gonna okay gonna stop. fair enough uh, let's see passing yards passing yards per game not that that's a necessary end-all be-all indicator it's tough because there are teams that play shutdown defense for two and a half quarters and then go into prevent mode because they're up by three touchdowns and then give up like 300 yards in the last quarter and a half. Like, uh, that, that, that's, that was the biggest issue with the Cowboys early in the season. Like, everybody talked about the, the offensive numbers. Well, all of that happened in like the final 20, 25 minutes of the game when they were down by three or four scores and teams stopped playing their regular defense and went into, you know, rushing three, dropping eight into coverage and Dallas getting some under a bunch of underneath stuff and just, you know, moving the football because the other team knew that if they made them work their way down the football field three or four times, they're going to get yards. They're going to get points, but mathematically it's going to be impossible for them to come back. 
So I think the moral of the story I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make is the Texans pass defense and the Cowboys pass defense are all deep their defense entirely. It's just the Spider-Man meme where the Spider-Man's just looking at each other. Uh, here's a better question. If you were going to combine these two football teams, what is the starting secondary? <laughs> um, well, here, okay, so we'll start here. The Texans' philosophy is we take Bradley Roby, who is at best an average cornerback, and we let him travel with the other team's best receiver. So right there, uh, I guess Bradley Roby's one of them. Uh, Bradley Roby is better than anybody in Dallas at corner. I, Justin Reed is pretty good at safety. Justin Reed is better than any safety that the Dallas Cowboys um, have. Justin Reed is I maybe borderline top ten. Between these two teams? No, sure. safety. No, uh, Free safety. Maybe. maybe. Okay, I'll, I think there's a conversation. He doesn't force enough turnovers for my taste, but yeah. uh, he's, he's like good. Him. He's at least reliable. Like yeah, he's a good player. Awuzie, uh, is he starting? No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I don't even think he's the best corner on, on Dallas, so. Who would you say their best corner is? Uh, no. Yeah, exactly. That's how uh, I feel about Houston. I, Trayvon Diggs will be that guy. He's been beat a lot this season, um, but he's he he shows flashes of you know being a, a good corner in years to come. But he's been picked on a lot as a as a rookie. He's been beat a lot, and at times he he shows why you know there's a lot of hype. So I'm not selling Trayvon Diggs yet. And I think he has the right mentality to get beat a lot as a rookie and and not let it define him as as the guy he's going to be in year two, three, four. I feel like us trying to put together a secondary by combining the Texans and Cowboys is like playing pickup football and every kid looks like me. <laughs> I'm just not willing to even admit that any of the Dallas Cowboys secondary players are are worthy of starting over anybody else in the league. So that's that's the hard part for me. Who's the Houston Texans' next next best corner? Vernon Hargraves, who... Oh, yeah, I would take Hargraves over anybody in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is, they're still terrible, so... Well, yeah, I'm not saying he's great. The, the, he was... Most, look, there might, most of the starters might have a Texans on their helmet, but they're still terrible, so... He was one sure, of those Dallas guys... I, I, I looked up... I keep this list every year. It's like I've had it going since, like, 2010. It's a draft list of, like, the guys that I love in every draft. And Vernon Hargraves was on the list of guys that I loved coming out of Florida, and he is—he has been disappointing to say the least. He, uh, let's see, what's he got this season? He has four pass deflections. Uh, that's it. With uh, like twenty tackles. Yeah, I would I would take Vernon Hargraves though over anybody in Dallas today. So Look, the that's, Texans that's have fair. the two starting corners. You know what? If the tech, if we combine the Dallas Cowboys pass rush with the Texans secondary and a hodgepodge of linebackers, you know, no hodgepodge. No, 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 no hodgepodge. Mike and Jalen Smith McKinney are and Cunningham. What? No. Yes. Give me Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh over Cunningham and McKinney any day of the week. I, those guys. McKinney those and guys Cunningham are, are way better. Oh, they're so slow. But they're not out of position. Well, that's fair. Well, we didn't say which coaching staff we're taking. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. But. I like we how we're both arguing against our own teams. Yeah. Uh, 
You know what? They might win five games. It, assuming that we are combining the offenses as well. well. We might. Okay, five. Texans have a better offensive line right now. Yeah, it's still not good, but well, it's no, better. it's terrible. But I mean, yeah. that shows you where Dallas is. You have one good player at least. You're taking the Texans quarterback. Yeah, yeah, right. You're now, absolutely for sure. taking the Dallas skill positions probably across the board. Right, you're Zeke at running yeah. back, Cooper, sure. Gallup, and C.D. Lamb are the three best receivers of the whole group. Yeah. If we're combining I, 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 these teams, Will Fuller is by far the best skill player that Houston has, and he's not better than any of those three dudes. Right, not even close. Right. Um, it, who's the tight end there? Fells. Yeah, he's good. I like, uh, yeah, I like, probably Fells over over uh, Dalton Schultz. Schultz. Yeah. Ooh, we got a five or six win team here. There we go. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, J.J. Watt and, and Demarcus Lawrence rushing the passer. I, I still think we have nobody on the interior of the line. Neither does Houston. Do yeah, right. I, well, combined. Play, here's, here's what you do. You play J.J. on the inside. You probably have to. Play, play Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith on the yeah. edges. Yeah. Well, you, you you with that group, you would definitely have to go to a 3-4. I just, I just don't know who the nose is for either team, but... Yeah, run a just run a like a three three five. Yeah, well, you still need a nose though. Well, damn, that three three five is just hurting us because now we're putting more defensive backs on right, the field. Right. Yeah, we don't need more defensive backs. Basically, this team is not built to win in twenty twenty. Nope, nope. It's a it's a project that I think yeah. uh, collectively Bill O'Brien and Jerry Jones could solve. Oh well, yeah. I guess we want to. Uh, if we've got draft picks, look out. We're going to be making some trades for some uh, some decent to good players. Yeah. Or bad players, if you – I mean, kind of depends how you fall on David Johnson. I mean, he was good. He was good for a year. That is yeah. true. He had a season. How long does it take you to – like, I'm sometimes guilty of this, especially in the NFL. How long does it take you to kind of, like – sell a guy like David Johnson or a guy like Le'Veon Bell when they go from being elite to he's no longer that guy. Or even Todd Gurley, for that matter. Todd Gurley's another one that, like, two years ago, he's an MVP candidate, right? He was, some would argue, the best running back in the NFL. Like, does it take you a while to to just be like, you know what, that guy's done? Or are you pretty quick on the trigger? Uh, with running backs, I give you, if you've had three good years in a row, I'm selling you because it's, it's, coming soon. it's all downhill. Yeah, it's it's inevitable. <laughs> It's inevitable that your body it's just it's just how it happens. I mean, the running backs I mean that's kind of what makes Zeke so impressive is that he's still running just as well. I mean, outside of, you know, fumbles. He can't yeah, hold, he can't on, hold to on to the football all of a sudden, but But as far as his ability to run the ball, he's still just as good as he was his rookie year. And he's carried the ball a significant amount, which I mean that's impressive. Um but I he's I mean Zeke is like the prototypical like t2 terminator yeah like running back like yeah. he's he's a diamond he's I, I guess dime a dozen is he a dime a dozen or is he the opposite 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 okay yeah he's uh one in a million there, there you go. go there you go yeah um but yeah i mean todd Gurley, Le'Veon bell like you said uh Devontae freeman is another dude who was good and it just went down the drain like overnight um Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, yeah. Like, if you just, like, three years ago even, I think if we were putting together the list of the best running backs in the NFL, like, three years ago, David Johnson is probably top five. Le'Veon Bell's top five. Todd Gurley's top five. Melvin Gordon's probably pushing that. I don't know that he 
is for sure. And then, and then Zeke, right? Yeah, easily. And then now it's Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry scares me too. He's kind of weird too. He's like Zeke though, because he's such a physical freak that I don't know how much damage his body's really taking when he gets hit. Does he ever get, it's crazy because he has such a big target, but I don't ever feel like he really takes big hits. He really doesn't because if you have to, you have to tackle him around his legs and I mean, he's going to get tripped up 85% of the time. He's not really going to get tackled. McCaffrey, obviously. Yeah, which I mean, I think his shelf life is the same as all those other dudes, just because I mean the usage rate, the usage rate, and he is taking hits. Um, Kamara's Kamara's weird because it's like he's great, but I don't even know. Like he's not. I don't even know that he's in the category. Like he's something different almost. You know what I mean? He's like a he's yeah. He's like a hybrid dude. I, I don't even know what to. Comp- I mean, Christian. You could argue that Christian McCaffrey is the same thing, but Christian McCaffrey is. He carries the ball a lot he more than Alvin Kamara does. Yeah, um, yeah is kind of hard to read. I could see him being productive for 10 years just because he's so good in the passing game. But, I mean, who knows? If they when Drew Brees retires and Sean Payton, you know, leaves New Orleans, is Alvin Kamara still as productive? Is it a system thing with him? Like, he's definitely got physical talents. You can see it. But how much of his production is due to the system and getting him wide open in the middle of the field? I don't know, but Derrick Henry, though, I was going to make a point. Derrick Henry is kind of bizarre to me because he looks so slow because he's so big that when he runs the ball in open field, he looks so slow, but nobody ever catches up with him. It blows my mind every time I see him break a long run. It's like like, the Vince Young stride. Yeah, he's like, he's barely moving. Somebody's going to catch him, and nobody's within 10 yards of him. Yeah, Vince Young never looked like he was moving fast, but like those strides just... Right, just long strides. Yeah, crazy. Um, I'll tell you what's frustrating as hell having Clyde Edwards-Alaire on your fantasy football team. He he's, had a good game against... He's uh, so good. Yeah, he is really so good. So good. No, there are a couple, he's third in the NFL in rushing right now. It needs to get touchdowns, but... They never... Like, they get into the red zone and they just take him out. Like, that's so frustrating to me. You should be used to that as a Cowboys fan. I Yeah. That's probably why it's even more frustrating for me than most people, but... They get in the red zone, and every time I'm watching Kansas City, like they cross the 20, and he's out of the ball game immediately, and in comes Daryl Williams, and then they add Le'Veon Bell to that mix. I think I think Edwards Alaire gave me like one point last week. One I point. Ba- I, feel, I do feel bad for guys that drafted uh, or ladies that drafted Clyde Edwards Alaire because, like you said, he's looked really good. He's great. But you, you can't get any touchdowns from him, and then they bring in Le'Veon Bell yeah. and just. Absolutely, just make the whole situation more complicated and are probably going to take carries and touches away from him moving forward. Yeah, I feel bad. Yeah, he's a Chiefs fan. He's so good. F off. And and part of the problem is they have so many weapons and they use all those weapons. I mean, like every week it's Tyreek Hill or McCole Hardman or, you know, Travis Kelsey and and the play calling is so great. Uh, You know, I'm complaining selfishly because I want my running back to get stats, but like, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is really, really good. They just don't use him like a workhorse, and and they don't have to. That's kind of the issue. But um, I, I, I'm so high on him. He's so good. I remember sitting in the press box last year. I don't remember what game we were waiting for. It was an OU game, but we were watching Alabama LSU in the press box, and Clyde and Clyde Edwards just 
single-handedly was just destroying Alabama at the end of that game. And that that was the first time that I really, like, saw him play, like, and saw him, like, kind of shine. Yeah. And I feel like people kind of slept on him up, even really up until the Chiefs drafted and they're like, oh, crap. Yeah. The Chiefs just got this dude at 32. That's a great pick. This dude is legit. But, I didn't, you know, he's been – he's good. Like, he's – He's he's a really good runner. He's tough to bring down. He's physical. I well, like guys Joe like Burrow that. was just so good that you know kind of, he didn't get uh, yeah. any credit for how good they, he was. Plus they had Justin Jefferson and like they had a yeah Jamar bunch Chase. Of, yeah, yeah, a bunch of receivers. Jamar Chase probably gonna be a top ten pick this year. Yeah, just a bunch of other dudes. It's kind of hard to shine a bunch of light on the running back position, which is not the sexiest position when you've got the dudes that they had. Yeah, I last week I had. Uh, God, this was so brutal. So I had Edwards Alaire that did nothing. They like he didn't hardly even play. It was the Le'Veon Bell show. Edwards Alaire had three point one points on six carries. Six carries against the Jets. Kenny Galladay gave me a zero. And what was the other one? Oh, because of all of the buys, like I had James Robinson on by, DeAndre Hopkins on by, Zach Ertz being hurt, uh, Brandon Cooks on by. I've been forced to carry three tight ends because I've gotten zero production out of them. All of that means I had to play A.J. Green in the flex. Oof. And he gave me 1.9 while Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins both, like, did terrific. Did you break 50 points? I had a total of 60.74. Oh. PPR half standard? Standard. Okay. Yeah. That that helps a little bit. Yeah. That's still but, bad. But though. still, I mean, that's, that's still really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you get five points between Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Kenny Galladay, and A.J. Green, RB1, wide receiver one, and flex gives you five points. I had to... Uh, I had to go to a wedding last Sunday, so I DVR'd Red Zone and just came home and watched seven hours of Red Zone starting <laughs> at like awesome. 8 p.m. And let me tell you, and I delete all my fantasy apps, so I'm, I'm like completely off the grid for the day until I get, and then I start watching football. And it's brutal to watch DVR'd Red Zone and just watch the guy you're playing, fantasy players, just absolutely destroying oh. and watching my guys do nothing. And I'm just like, this sucks. This sucks so bad. That I, it's like one o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, I this guy's tripling me up right now. He's got Patrick Mahomes with five touchdowns. He's got yeah, freaking uh, yeah. It, it was brutal. I got destroyed this past week. I also had the Chargers defense that gave me a zero because for whatever reason they decided to give up however many points that was in the second half. Like there was yeah. a point where they like in the second half they they had like 11 or 12 points or something. And then Denver just goes off. Yeah. My opponent had Dalvin cook too. And I'm just watching Dalvin cook score every touchdown for Minnesota. Oh, last week. Yeah. That's, yeah, it was that's brutal. Rough. I was, I just, I knew I was like, I'm getting absolutely obliterated. I think it was the first time that I didn't finish uh, all the games this season, probably actually in a few years because I just, yeah, it was tough. It was t- it was a tough watch. I just like the uh, the NFL Twitter account because they they post every touchdown scored. Oh, really? So yeah, you can just scroll scroll down the 
Nice. The NFL Twitter account at NFL and watch every touchdown scored. They they like do it in real time on Sundays. So nice. I just I don't even think I follow. Yeah, like I so I've I've started doing the I just watch full games, and then I have that Twitter account where like up so that like as soon as right. somebody scores, I just I'm able to watch the highlight of the touchdown. Yeah, I, uh, I've. Yeah, this year I'm a red zone guy. This year I'm a I, I'm yeah. not a hardcore enough Texans fan that I can just watch them be terrible for three and a half hours. So kudos to you for watching the Cowboys week to week. Well, I have rooting interest again. I went from having rooting interest because I thought this team was and and I, maybe I'm just a complete dumbass for this because usually I'm you know this I'm very like the Cowboys are going to be eight and eight. I'm I'm not excited about what they're going to be able to accomplish. And I got my expectations up this year. I thought new coaching staff. Again, on paper, really talented football team. I thought that they could make a run at this thing. They could make a run at winning the NFC. They were, I, I certainly thought they were the best team in the division. And there's uh, no, Yeah, I, there's no reason not to think that. Yeah. So I went uh, from yeah. high expectations to no expectations to once again having a rooting interest in them actually losing every game. So I'm plugged back in to watching them play every snap because I'm hoping that they fumble or throw interceptions or give up long touchdown plays because I'm all in for the hashtag tank 2020 Dallas Cowboys. See, I don't have that. Texans don't have a first round pick. They don't have a second round pick. I've got nothing to root for. Yeah. Literally nothing to root for. Um, Yeah. Dallas though. I mean, having those expectations is completely reasonable. Three of the offensive line positions were you're pretty solid at those positions. Yeah. Left guard and center are the only were the only two positions you're like, uh, I don't know, maybe. And at least Connor Williams has been playing uh, quite a bit the last couple of years. He's got experience. At CD Lamb, you know, Dak's great, Zeke's great. The defense, like you've got names on defense, especially in that front seven that you think that they're gonna make plays and you know be able to keep them in games. Yeah, I mean, going into the season, I was like, if they, I was like, there's no way Dallas loses, wins less than ten games. You play the Giants in the in the football team twice a year, it should be four automatic wins. Four wins, yeah, four built-in wins. Yeah, right. And then you split with Philadelphia. Hell, maybe you beat them twice. Right. It's not like Philadelphia is that great. Right. Five wins right there, maybe six. And all you got to do is like, you don't even have to go five hundred against the rest of the schedule yeah. to win ten games. They're gonna get torched by the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend. So, I'm I'm here for it. Uh, Go Steelers. Man. Yeah. That's it's, funny. Yeah, it's a mess. They're 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 horrible. Uh before before I let you run, Big 12. Uh How are you feeling about Oklahoma? Better? I I I definitely feel better than I did before the Texas Tech game. Um No, actually, no, no, no. Last two games because I forgot TCU. they played TCU yeah. in between Texas. Yeah, I thought the TCU game went really well. The Texas Tech game went really well. The defense is starting to play better. Um, the name's slipping my mind. The 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 nose tackle on the defense. I think he's really good. Aaron Winfrey. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think he's really good. Uh, Nick Benito uh, has been a pretty good pass rusher coming off the edge. And Isaiah then, Thomas is another guy yeah. that's been really really good on that defensive line. Right. And, you know, if, like, you know, it's no not news to anybody. If you could get pressure on the quarterback, it makes a secondary's job significantly easier. It puts yeah. them in positions where they can make plays. We saw, um, we, uh, Trey, was it Trey Norwood that had two picks? Yeah. 
Trey Norwood had two picks against Tech, and I, I don't think I've ever seen Trey Norwood do anything <laughs> since he's been at OU. So it's good to see him get a couple of play, picks. And, I mean, getting Ronnie Perkins immediately makes that defensive better. He didn't play a bunch uh, against Tech, but, you know, he's still – you, you, you have to account him. for him, yeah. Yeah. And then it is crazy. Like, as good as Marcus Major and TJ Pledger and Seth McGowan might be, Ramondre Stevenson is significantly – better at the running back oh, position yeah. than those other guys they have. So getting him back immediately made them better against tech. Um, I think the offensive line is doing okay. They're doing fine. Honestly, the like, I think the secondary, as long as you're getting pressure on the quarterback, they're going to be better. I just need to see somebody in that. Pa- I need to see a pass catcher that can be a difference maker. And I just haven't seen it yet. Maybe it's Charleston Rambo. Um, I think it's Marvin Mims. They just drop so many passes. Yeah, yeah, all of them have. Or here's the other thing, and I've, I've said this since the beginning of the season. Like, Austin Stogner needs to be featured in this offense. I'm He's not good. like a, They yeah. need to make it a point, not just throw him the ball, you know, when they need him. Like, he needs to be a go-to guy in this offense. Like, I don't understand He's, why he's not getting 10 catches a game. Like, Who's covering him in the red zone? Right? He's a defensive end that can catch the ball. Yeah. But he, I mean, even when you're not in the red zone, like, how is this guy not getting 10 catches a game when you consider all of the inconsistency from the receivers and the drops? Like, that guy, I don't think I've seen him drop the football this year. Have you? Like, I, not nothing's to coming knowledge. to my mind. No. He's always a mismatch. I, like, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I don't get why he doesn't get more targets. Like, I would make it a point in my game plan to feature. Austin Stogner in this offense. But again, that's they, they've been really good the last couple of weeks. And the biggest thing for me is Spencer Rattler hasn't turned the ball over since he got benched against Texas. Well, yeah, he's been he's good. And we talked about it weeks ago. I mean, if there's one thing that you're not concerned about on OU, it's Spencer Rattler. Right. And, you know, was, if he gets rid of the turnovers, it's really not a big flaw in his game. So agreed. Yeah, and then you know, Oklahoma State losing to Texas, that's that's huge. Like, that is a massive deal yeah. that they dropped that game. And I I didn't watch the OSU-Texas game, but I, I look at the box score, and I'm just like, how the hell do you lose a game where you double them in yards, you double them in first downs? Turnovers, obviously. It's four turnovers. Spencer Sanders had, what, three turnovers by Was himself. it four or five? It was four for the team. Okay, I, I thought it was four. I, I wa- I want to say Spencer had two turnovers and a pick, and then one of the running backs fumbled. LD Brown fumbled late, yep. So, I mean, that's obviously the difference, but my God, they you would think they Gave up a kick return game. for a touchdown. They had Texas stopped late in the fourth quarter and then decided to rush the punter and got a a 15-yarder that extended a drive. Uh, another, on top of the double yards, double first downs, Texas doubled Oklahoma State in penalty yardage. Yeah, yeah. One hundred. They had one hundred and forty-two yards in penalties. Yes. Yeah. Like, what are you? Like, that is like classic Mike Gundy, just essing the bed when they. Yeah. It looks so Crazy. good for Oklahoma State, and now you can just see the paint. The writing's on the wall. Oklahoma State's going to lose to OU. And I, I guess it does help OSU that there's now a Big Twelve title game. So. It's not all hope isn't completely lost if you lose to OU, but 
it is setting up nice for OU to sneak into that title game. The the biggest thing in play here, though, is Iowa State, who only has the one one conference loss, right? It's Oklahoma OSU. State, right? Yeah, they've already played OU. Iowa State Can't. runs the table the rest of the way. They're in. Kansas State too. Kansas State only has one conference loss, and they've already beat OU. Yeah, they're they they're they lost their quarterback team. and uh, oh, they, okay. yeah they're playing a true freshman. Good. They scored ten points last week against West Virginia. He threw three picks. Uh, I think he was around like fifty percent completion percentage. Okay, so Kansas um, and fine. and and then they've got to play OSU this week. So okay. I think that'll take care of itself this week. But um, I thought well, I Kansas State had a legit chance to make a run at this thing and potentially be that second team, but. You know, you t- you lose a fifth year starter, or whatever, eighth year starter, ninth year starter, whatever. However Skyler long Thompson, Skyler Thompson's been around, whatever. and you know, with a team that already has offensive line issues, five new starters on the offensive line, and now you have a true freshman. Uh, that's that's tough. Tough. So to I- Iowa State's remaining schedule: they've got Baylor tomorrow. Should win that game. They're at home. Baylor's not good. Kansas State after that, which. If Skyler's out for the year, you should assume they're going to yep. win that game. Also in, in Ames. And then at Texas in, at yep. home versus West Virginia. So if you're an OU fan or an OSU fan, uh, I, I guess you're a Texas fan at least one more time this year. Yeah, Texas or maybe West Virginia. Um, West, yeah. West Virginia's kind of weird. They, they're they kind of hot and cold, but... Yeah, I, I I don't I don't think Iowa State loses any of those games. I think Iowa State wins out. Yeah, I yeah I can see that. And then I, I think it's Iowa State winning out, and it's the Iowa State Cyclones against the Bedlam winner in the Big Twelve title game. And uh, man, that Bedlam game is going to be crazy. They play uh, after dang. So they play in two two weeks. Why? What? Who decided not to? Who decided that Bedlam should be just like not the last game? When did we decide that? When did we decide that we were going to make Bedlam any game other than the last game of the year? Didn't they? Didn't they uh, not want that to potentially be a back-to-back? Back-to-back. Okay. Well, let's slow down a little bit. Yeah. Most years, it's not going to be a back-to-back. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – look, I'll, I'll, the, here's the other interesting thing for Oklahoma on that side of it. They dominated Tech last week. Starters played like a half. They're going to do the same thing against Kansas on Saturday. Starters are probably going to play a half. And then you have a week off, and then you have Bedlam. So you're talking about yeah. a half of football, a half of football, no football, and then Bedlam. I, I think it's going to be a tough game to call. I think, I think that both teams are uh, – I mean, Oklahoma State, obviously, they've got those dudes on offense like Tyler Wallace and Chuba Hubbard that are just, like, legitimate difference makers in winning or losing a game. Spencer Sanders, we talked about a couple of weeks ago that you you got to throw Spencer Sanders in there once he came back healthy, and he's been good in both games he's played. Turnovers Oklahoma are an St- issue. I that's My biggest thing is I yeah. just want to see how he bounces back this week from the from the turnover Fumbles, yeah. department. And if, if he can clean that up, a lot like Spencer Rattler, like – He's he's the better option. He's the more dynamic option. And you can actually open up the offense with him as opposed to, you know, they were really vanilla. I, I think Shane Illingworth is good. I think he's going to be good when he, you know, finally gets his opportunity. 
but he's so young and inexperienced. When he did play, the offense was very vanilla. They did not give him much leash to to make plays anyway. You just have so much more to work with with Spencer Rattler and his running ability. Like Oklahoma State hasn't run the football well all year long. And for whatever reason, you know, again, like it's it's kind of a worn out conversation, but Chuba Hubbard has not been the same guy. Uh, you know, I think he's been better than he was the first couple weeks, but he's still just not blowing teams up in the in the rushing category. So Spencer Rattler's ability to run the football is even more valuable. He just can't turn the ball over, and that's right now. I think it's fair to say that's an issue for him. But you know, he's only played two games this year. This is the game where I think it. You know, it, if if he does it again, if he throws three more interceptions or two interceptions and a fumble this week, then then I think we start having that conversation. But you got to let him play. He's played two games. you got to let him make mistakes and at least le- have that opportunity to learn from them. And if he doesn't, then sure. Then, then I think next week we start having the conversation about whether you need to maybe mix in Shane Illingworth. But as of right now, I'm still 100% Spencer Sanders. Look, you, you know what's going to happen. We're saying Bedlam is a potential toss-up game. You know exactly how it's going to go. <laughs> oh, he's going to win by 40. Oh my God! I need to go lay down. I'm this reading this Texas Oklahoma State box score is is doing things to my body that shouldn't do. Texas was two of fifteen on third down. Yeah, yeah. And you and they won. Yeah. You you lost to a team that was two of fifteen on third down. You doubled them in yards. You doubled them in first downs. They doubled you in penalty yardage, and you lose. And it you was, lose. It was one of the most twenty twenty games that we've had all season. I mean, to be fair, Oklahoma State was three of twelve on third down. Well, yeah, but, I'm not. But yeah. you, the other team still went two of fifteen on third yeah. down. Like, take advantage or something. Yeah, not good. It's a bad loss. Really bad loss. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I will. Uh, I'll let you go. Uh, let's let's uh, talk some NBA draft next week. Um, that thing's coming up, and uh, God, that that just made my head spin. That's, it, it's it's interesting there you know this is kind of a it's a weird draft right have you looked well, at any of it yet uh it's a weird draft just for the fact that we just got done talking about oklahoma state losing to texas in football and then your yeah. your your segue was hey let's talk nba draft next week well we're going to talk a lot of football too i'm just no, saying I like know, let's mix just, that in yeah it's just bizarre that we're talking nba draft in november right like, we should be talking about the season starting a week ago right uh, yeah, I'm down to talk NBA draft. I love LaMelo Ball, and I think he's going to be oh, legit. Okay. This will be good then. I think I'm so, on the other side of the fence. Okay, yeah. I'm, 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 in, I'm looking forward to that conversation. I'm a big LaMelo Ball I fan. will admit this, though. I, I, I am tr- I'm doing my best to fight just the ball name bias. So I, it's, it's there. There's it's, a thing. It's yeah. there for sure. Like, it's, I'm, I'm trying not to let his last name and who his dad is impact how I'm I'm evaluating his play. So I, I, I do get that. Like, I, I think that is in that equation, and I'm trying not to let that be a big part of it. But, yeah. I'm looking forward to that conversation. I still, I'd like, All right. I like, NBA draft in November. I'm, it's weird. Uh, here, we, let, let's just, let me just ask you this question. You don't have to give me any explanation. As of right now, is there a clear-cut best player in this draft for you is it Lamelo Ball? No, I think that uh I think there's a conversation between Lamelo and the is it Anthony Edwards kid yeah, from Georgia. Kid, yeah, Edwards. I think I, I think that the conversation is between those two guys. Okay. 
All right, this will be fun then. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll mix that in next week. Obviously, we're, it's going to be dominated by football, but we'll we'll I'm excited. We'll throw the the draft talk in there a little bit as well. All right, buddy. Cool. All right, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Have a good weekend. Um, thank God we have some football. This was kind. Of, this this has been the longest week in months. Thank God, thank God we've got internet and internet's and back. Electricity. Electricity's back. Internet's back. Football is back. Yeah, I love it. All right, man. Take care. All right, see you. Aaron Davis joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their website, abotanicalcompany.com or give them a call 405-458-9699 and learn about their line of natural medicine products, how they can best benefit you and help you live a better life. Tremendous people, tremendous ownership, and I'm excited they're sponsoring the podcast. So again, check out abotanicalcompany.com or give them a call. 405-458-9699. Again, if you want to contact me at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, Colby.Daniels on Instagram. Again, we also have uh, pregame coverage. I'm trying to just cover everything as we kind of wrap this thing up for the week. Um, we have pregame coverage tomorrow, 1230 start. Mike Steely and I talking OU Kansas. We'll also talk a lot of Big 12 football and college football as well. No sense in dedicating an hour of our pregame show to the threats that Kansas might bring to the Oklahoma Sooners. That's that's crazy. But uh, we will talk about it, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're a college football fan, join Mike Steele and I, 1230 tomorrow. I will tweet the link at Colby underscore Daniels. All right, everybody, have a great day. Have a great weekend. If you don't join the pregame show, we will talk on Monday. You guys stay safe, and I will talk to you soon. Podcast is over.